0: This is A Kansas Memory, a Kansas State Historical Society podcast featuring glimpses of Kansas history from documents in the Library and Archives collections. In November, Kansas voters will elect our 46th governor. It's interesting to compare and contrast the issues currently being debated with those that were considered most important in past administrations. Dr. Bob Beatty, a professor of political science at Washburn University, conducted interviews from 2003 to 2008 with former governors for the Kansas Governor's Recorded History and Documentary Project. These interviews are the basis of a series of articles published in Kansas History Magazine. Governor Robert Docking and Governor Bennett were deceased, but Dr. Beatty recorded interviews with John Anderson, William Avery, John Carlin, Mike Hayden, Bill Graves, and Kathleen Sibelius. This podcast features his December 5, 2003 interview with Governor Avery who was in office from January 11, 1965 to January 9, 1967. William Avery would have never become a politician if it hadn't been for a series of disastrous floods in Kansas in the mid-20th century. He was the third generation of the Avery family farming near Wakefield in Clay County when after the war, President Truman appropriated funds to build two dams of unprecedented size in the Blue Valley to protect the lands downstream. The Avery Farm was one of the properties that would be inundated. Local grassroots opposition to the federal projects was fierce and Avery became a recognized leader. He was elected to serve in the Kansas legislature from 1951 to 1955. In 1954, when he secured a seat in the U.S. House, the dams were still an issue. He credits his being elected partly to a group of farm wives called the Blue Valley Bells, who helped ouster the Republican incumbent, Albert Cole, in the 1952 election. The women attracted national attention to the anti-dam movement when they met with both President Truman and presidential candidate Dwight D. Eisenhower.
1: Truman had appropriated money for uh, Tuttle Creek had started and planning money for Milford and reservoir, Milford and Perry Reservoir. And then when Eisenhower was elected, he stopped Tuttle Creek and of course took out the planning money for Milford and for Perry. So then it became a, a challenge as to whether uh, we're going to keep that money out of the Corps of Engineers program and stop the construction or whether it was going to proceed. And this is a rather critical thing. Uh, and I hate to get into so much detail but this is kind of part of Kansas history that I think is kind of important interesting the uh, Eisenhower had stopped Tuttle Creek and he did not put the money back in for his second term that uh, left it open for the legislature the congress to do what their will would dictate the uh, one of the ranking members on the House Appropriation Committee was from Kansas City, Kansas. And uh, Eric Scribner was his name. And uh, the story got back to me that he said, I've been on this committee, I think, for 15 years. I've never asked for anything before. Now I'm asking you to reassert, reassert the appropriation for continuing Turtle Creek Reservoir. And, uh, and they did. And Andy Sheppel was the senator at that time. And he, I'm sure, conferred with uh, the House and they had, he got word they were going to put it in so Andy came out for it too. He was going to support the continuation of the Corps of Engineers uh, flood control program. And of course then here I was a new member so the thing came back to me, my full responsibility to get that item in the appropriation bill deleted. Well. You've been around long enough to know how much a new member of Congress, how much influence he would have getting an, an a, a item out of the budget after the committee had put it in without the president's recommendation and also with a senior member of the appropriation committee being the principal sponsor of the item. But I thought, well, you know, uh, <clears throat> I promised I was going to be against the reservoir, so it's my, process, my responsibility to get this item out of the budget. So when the appropriation committee came up on the floor of the House, I <coughs> prepared what I thought was quite an eloquent speech and to delete the appropriation, it was just for Tuttle Creek, that's the only one they put back in, and uh, came up for a vote. Cliff Hope was the only congressman from Kansas that voted with me. <laughs> the, the other four all voted for the reservoir. And I was kind of mad at the time, <coughs> but, yeah, stop thinking about it uh, the, be the second district at that time, southeast Kansas, every time it rained, uh, they either had a flood or if it didn 't rain, they had a drought their Their soil was impervious to water, not like ours here, and so they had a problem, and they had uh, in a higher rainfall area than we are, and an excessive runoff so they were they were for all the dams they could get, and they 've got quite a few since then uh, he 'd actually opposed my amendment to delete, delete this fund. When Smith is from Northwest Kansas. They, are, they always need rain in Northwest Kansas. And uh, he, he told me before the vote, he says, I think we ought to build a dam in every every stream in Kansas just to save this water. So I knew I didn't have any help there. And let's see who that left. Uh, Cliff? And, oh, <laughs> uh, uh, Congressman Reese. And I don't know how he voted. I think he prayed a lot before he made up his mind how he was going to vote. And he had Wichita in his district, and they had a flood control out of the Arkansas River. But he was from Emporia. And uh, they've always had floods, but uh, uh, he was a conservative. I think he would like to have voted with me, but he didn't. But uh, the whole thing came down to uh, I lost the Kansas delegation. Uh, so I came back to Kansas and, and to... My home area, I said, you just as well get ready for Milford. Because uh, I lost that vote on Tuttle Creek, and I didn't get any help from the Kansas delegation. So you just well accept this is going to go. Instead of fighting it any longer, let's get with it and see what we can salvage and what we can negotiate to make this a, a, a developing area.
0: Avery went on to serve in the U.S. House for five terms from 1955 to 1965 but he was unable to stop the dam project and lost his land to Milford Reservoir. The project took 37,000 acres off the tax rolls and displaced thousands. Governor Avery's assessment of Democratic Governor Kathleen Sebelius, who was in office at the time of the interview, is a little surprising in light of how polarized party politics are today in Kansas.
1: Is it is it more important the type of person who's governor of Kansas than the actual party
0: he or she belongs to? Is, is that when you were, earlier you were mentioning that the qualities of a governor? Well, that's
1: a good question. And let me say it's a blend of both. Uh, the present governor, of course, has a little of that blend. Her father-in-law was a congressman of long standing and a friend of mine. And uh, her husband, Gary, I, this, <laughs> Is in a different category, but I found out he belonged to my same fraternity that I belonged to. I didn't know that till later, but it it made another little line of communication, and so uh, I have uh, nothing but uh, pleasant relationships with the present governor. I don't think uh, didn't vote for, her, of course, but uh, uh, I didn't I didn't complain about her, and I thought she ran a fair campaign. Our uh, candidate, I think, she has performed very well for a. Uh, a minority candidate, I mean a, a member of a minority party in a, in a, a Republican state. A candidate uh, I thought made some mistakes, and uh, so she went into office uh, for me with an open mind, and I think she has performed very well for a, uh, a minority candidate, I mean a, a member of a minority party in a, in a, a Republican state.
0: In 1965, Avery was elected Kansas' 37th Governor, succeeding John Anderson Jr., but only served one term. His experience in the U.S. Congress helped him get some major budget initiatives passed during his administration. One of them increased state aid to public schools, including community colleges, whose enrollment was increasing because of what were called the War Babies. Another law implemented an income tax withholding system on employers which increased the number of Kansans paying taxes by about 10,000 people. Not surprisingly, Robert Docking stressed these tax increases in his successful campaign to defeat Avery's bid for re-election in 1966. It was the first election Avery had ever lost.
1: A place where you're in a decision-making position, you're going to have surprises and they're not all going to be pleasant. And the decisions are sometimes hard to make. And... Uh, in a very simple statement, uh, that's kind of the way the governor's office is. You, you are honored as, uh, I forget what they call you, number one citizen or something like that. They all stand up and you go into the room, you know, you can't help but think, gee, it's nice to be recognized and all that. But uh, the other side of it is you have these, these tough decisions you have to make. Not every day, not the tough you have decisions every day, but they're not all tough. But uh, once in a while, well, I'll say frequently. Tough decisions come—not not just politically. They are politically, uh, indirectly they're politically, politically considered. But on the other hand, your responsibility is to the state, not to a private group that has a position that they are advocating. You don't you you don't have an obligation. You can have a understanding, but you don't have any obligation to them, and uh, to the state of Kansas. Why? Well, you have an obligation to the state to render a decision that you feel is in the best interest of the state, and i <clears throat> I don't have any i if, if I had to do it over again, I've told the people even though the withholding tax defeated me, it was the right decision, and I would still make it uh i might have I might have put it off and left the election. <laughs> I won't deny that had i thought about that, but it it was certainly if if we picked up, I say, 10,000 or whatever it was, new taxpayers, there were, there were several thousand anyhow. Why that was in the best interest of Kansas because they were cheaters. They were cheaters if they were not paying their share of the income tax. So certainly that was good for Kansas. I have no apology to make for that. Uh, state aid education, we already talked about that. That's the only source of school support we had except they had below them tax. And that had gone up every year since World War II because school expenses had gone up and the baby boomers had come along by that time. And so enrollment was increasing and the the schools had no other source of income except the ad valorem tax. So this was a necessary thing. And uh, as I say, uh, despite uh, losing the election, everything that I proposed that the legislature approved is still there (laughs) except raising taxes.
0: This has been a Kansas Memory, a Kansas Historical Society podcast. The documents used in this podcast are from Kansas Memory, a virtual repository of primary sources from our collections. The URL for this website is www.kansasmemory.org.